Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Well, that is right, my friends. You are listening to Conservative Not Bitter Talk. And yes, as you knew before even tuning in this morning, the Dramacrats are at it again in full force in lots of ways. And we'll go through those ways this morning. Oh, I tell you, to me, it's just a it's a signal it's a signal the the amount of drama the amount of intentional drama being created by the the radical left by the dramacrats as i like to call them is proportional in an inverse way to how much they believe that uh their what they believe their chances are of winning the midterm election in 2022 the more drama that we see the more desperate that they are, and we are seeing drama that is just too much. I, you know, I, I'm a, I'm fine with political theater. You have I I, I talk about this um, sometimes with with some folks. Um, some folks I think don't believe that you, you you have to. Let me say it this way: you have to allow people who are engaged in politics to be able to use language and descriptions um, that are maybe sometimes things you wouldn't say in a personal setting. You know, for for example, if the radical left's ideas are as bad as I'm telling you that they are, and they are, by the way, (laughs) but if they are, you have to allow the person articulating to be able to use Things like hyper, hyperbole, exaggeration, not to misrepresent, but to to communicate the idea, to communicate the fallacy of the, the, the foundational ideas or a particular policy or what have you. You have to allow the person engaging in political speech to be able to do that. You know, and when you step into the political arena, which by the way, I have. I have stepped in not not in the sense that I'm running running for office, but because I'm I'm talking about these ideas. These ideas are critically important. These ideas separate. I mean, America is an idea, right? America is an idea, and it stands to reason that if it's the idea that made America special, or the ideas plural, depending upon if you're looking at it as a series of ideas that are put together or one overarching idea that everything else kind of falls under that umbrella, however you choose to look at it, I guess. But America is an idea, a concept that's put into practice. It's a, it's a philosophy. It's a, it's, it's based upon a worldview, an understanding of how we were created to live, an understanding of the dangers of government. And so it stands to reason that if our prosperity and all the things that we are beneficiaries from in this great nation, if it's 
rooted in an idea or a series of ideas, if you change those ideas, then ergo, you're going to have you're going to have a a change in the outcome, right? You're going to have if if, if America's results are the uh, you know natural consequence or not not that's a negative connotation, but if if where America is today is um, based upon her ability to stick with these founding truths and ideas, and then you change those ideas or you don't follow through with those, those ideas, we'll end up in a different place. I contend that a lot of what we have in this in this great nation today uh, was was paid for by the people that preceded us, the, the sacrifices that had been made throughout American history. We directly benefit from that. All of us, we benefit from that. And we're actually kind of riding their coattails because we have changed the American idea, not you and I so much as the radical left, of course, but they've changed this these ideas and they're abandoning these principles and truths on a regular basis. And if this is at the root of what we are having to debate and discuss in this country, you have to give people freedom uh, to to engage in a little bit of theater. But good theater, make it good. Don't make it. Don't make it some of the stuff that I'm going to play for you this morning. By the way, I saw Fauci owns Rand, I think is the hashtag that's trending this morning. Fauci owns Rand. We'll play a little bit of that, that interaction between Dr. Fauci and Rand Paul. Um, but the the there is still something to be said, even though we, we have we have to have the ability to engage in in political speech and use hyperbole, exaggeration, just to be able to make a point, to illustrate something, to show why these ideas matter, to show why ideas are in fact good or bad. You have to be able to give the person explaining it the ability to communicate a larger a larger truth or uh, to communicate uh, communicate about these ideas because they are so fundamentally important to how we live as Americans and so so here we are engaged in this discourse and again as I've thrown my hat into the ring here almost 6 years ago when we started this this uh, radio show well it started as a podcast but uh, six years ago as a podcast, I, I'm i open to criticism. I'm open to uh, some dramatic responses from people. Now, I think that the, the level of hatred and the personal vitriol that you see um, exhibited by some of these folks, that's never excusable. This is never personal for me. It just isn't. Some people, that's all that they can can muster up their their personal animosity towards someone who believes the things, for example, that I do and many of you do. That's enough to make them foam at the mouth, smoke come out of their ears. They lose all sense of reason and logic, and it's just a personal thing for them. That isn't good. But you you have to be able to to, to give people the ability to engage in a little bit of theater, a little bit of drama, to make a point. But there is a point where the drama the, – the drama should serve to communicate a bigger idea. The drama should not be something in and of itself. The drama should never be designed to 
take a tiny thing or to take, a, in, in many cases, the proverbial nothing burger, as um, some folks like to say, to take the nothing burger and to turn it into some sort of um, you know, mountain worth, worth dying on, the proverbial hill worth, worth standing on and not giving up and, and in fact giving your, um, your political life, so to speak, to stake everything and stand on that hill. That's what Democrats, the Dramacrats, are doing, the ones that have fled Texas and have gone to Washington, D.C., spreading COVID, super spreader event. Got a soundbite on that. Uh, Peter Ducey asked Jen Psaki about that yesterday, but that's not where I want to start. Instead, I want to start with this speech, I guess, given by one of these Dramacrats from Texas. She is a representative, Texas state representative, Sinfronia Thompson. She's one of the Again, Democrats who fled Texas to flee the oppression that has been created, so she says, by requiring, uh, by restricting the hours of early voting or changing them or saying that you can't vote in a tent or a mobile, or excuse me, some sort of a, um, a vehicle. There, there were, I guess, votes that were taking place. I don't know if they were in you know, the equivalence of like an RV or what they were in, but people were voting um, in, in mobile units. They've done away with those sorts of things. That, of course, means that this is taking away someone's right to vote. At least that's what the radical left wants you to believe. It's all drama. There's no truth there. It's all about optics. They're not trying to make a larger political point. They're trying to score political points. Well, it just came to me right there. That's the truth, though. Let me say that again. They're not trying to make a larger political point by by uh, implementing this theater. They are instead trying to gain political points, and that's because they have real concerns about 2020. They haven't gotten much of what they want to get done in their agenda. They've got people like uh, Manchin, Senator Manchin, Senator Cinema who don't want to do away with the filibuster, and they can't get certain radical things done. They got their base foaming at the mouth and smoking at the ears, demanding for things to be done. Um, they can talk a good game, right? They can say at the press conferences all these things that they want to see implemented, these radical concepts and notions and ideas, but they don't have the votes or the ability to get that done in Congress because of the rules, in particular in the Senate. And so it's this perfect storm. The Democrat base, the radical base, is mad at them because they're not doing enough. Some of them are content with that, but for some folks who were elected to make a difference, they're facing obstacles. They're worried about fundraising. They're worried about campaigning in 2022. Uh, the, the political party in power usually takes a hit in the midterm elections as it is. So statistically, the Democrats, the Dramacrats, are in a bad position because they're probably going to lose seats. And there's a very good chance, at least historically, that Republicans can regain the House of Representatives, possibly the Senate. And then they're going to be in a pickle for the final two years of the Harris-Biden administration. Biden's words, not mine. 
So that's the landscape. And so they think we got to crank the crazy up to 10. We got to get the base so riled up that they will support us, that they will stick with us. They will still fundraise and chip in five bucks or whatever these emails tell them to do to help the Democrat, excuse me, the Democrat party cross the finish line in 2022 to stay in power because they're looking down the road. Folks, this is, that's only what a year or so out the midterm elections. And so they're, they're framing it. They're trying to make it look like Republicans are quite literally trying to return us to an era where certain people can't vote in this country. And that is factually incorrect. That is simply not what's happening, but that's how it's being portrayed. And so it's so obvious, in fact, that the only way to make people, you know, when, when you have two sides of an argument, one strategy that, that's often implemented is one the a side will say, "Look, we want we want to come to an agreement in you know in the middle. So, but we don't we don't really want to compromise in the real middle between our positions. We we want to we want to move the middle, the final compromise solution, closer to what we really believe. So, in order to do that." We got to take the position that we really believe in, which is this position, you know, right here, and we want to move it 50 steps to the left. Dramacrats do this all the time. And they overemphasize, they overdramatize, again, not in the way that I was talking about earlier, good political theater to make a bigger point, but totally fabricated nonsense to score political points with voters and to move the compromised middle closer to where you actually wanted it to end up anyway. So this is what they do. And it's patently obvious to me, and it should be to anyone who pays any attention whatsoever. But I will say this, it's it's been effective for them in some ways. And so I don't really fault them. I do because it's not really ethical or moral or um, it, it's it's not simply engaging in theater. It's It's true deceit. You know, true theater illustri- helps you to see a larger truth. The, the type of theater they're engaging in is trying to get you to believe a lie. And so here we are. Here we are, and the crazy is commencing all around us. And so I want to play some sound bites. So I wanted to set that up. Thought I could get to the first sound bite here uh, before the break. I did not. But I want to start with this speaker, or excuse me, not speaker, the uh, representative from the state of Texas, Sinfrodia Thompson. And I want to play what she said, um, the speech she gave. Democrats are proud of this speech. Just listening to the way that she portrays the election law that has been introduced by Texas Republicans. We'll play that after the break. We'll also get to Jen Psaki. Um, We'll get to this Rand Paul and Dr. Fauci showdown as well. But a quick timeout is in order. So we get these things. Uh, get to these things after the break. Sit tight. Back here in. Back here in just a minute. Welcome back, my friends. By the way, this program is brought to you by my friends at. Kill-a-dent removal. I actually stopped by Saturday morning to see Sid, 
<clears throat> excuse me, owner of Killadent. He's on the west side of Indianapolis. Took a look at his shop and just connected. You know, again, I've said this before. We, I have the opportunity to meet some really good, good people. I hear people talk about business owners in this country and how terrible they are. And, and I'm sure that there are bad business owners. I'm not, as I've said before, this isn't hard for me. This is, there are bad people in any group. That's just, uh, that's just the way that it is. But I deal with some of the best business people around. I, when people talk about how bad these, you know, business owners are and stuff and how bad they are to their workers, I don't, I don't know those folks. Those are not the people that we deal with. And Sid and his team at Killadent Removal fall into that uh, into that area category as well. They're just they do good work. They treat the customer right. And if you've been hit, there's been some hailstorms go through here. If your car got hit with some hail, consider taking it to Sid and his team. It will uh, get your car back on the road quicker than if you have to go to the uh, body shop. Paintless Dent Repair (PDR) is what they do. If they can. And they can fix some pretty big uh, pieces of hail damage. Some of those were that I saw on Saturday were, I think, baseball size. Some really big pieces. And he actually got a new piece of equipment he was excited about that will help him even fix larger dents. So kill a dent removal. If your car has hail damage, it's worth taking it in. Most of the folks that take it in for... Um, hail damage repair or if you get a ding in the car lot or your the parking lot i should say you can take it in there but most of these um, are you know most i think are paid for by insurance as well so kill a dent removal sid will take care of you make sure you tell them that the todd huff show directed you to them so play this <laughs> during the break just for oz i don't think she'd heard this whole thing again this is one of the Dramacrats leading the charge against, again, they're, this is a straw man argument. This is not really based in reality. I want you to listen to this speech. I want you to listen to this speech from a Dramacrat who fled the state of Texas so that they didn't have to vote on this Texas voting law, which is being met, misrepresented off the charts. You know, people can have. I, I'm open to people having different perspectives. I, I really, I'm, I'm a reasonable guy. I don't agree. I'll try to persuade. You know my thoughts on that. But folks, there's a point. There's a point where it is not a legitimate perspective when it is so crazy and it is so dramatized and it is so misrepresentative of what is actually happening. That you have to say that is what you're the position you're taking and what you're saying and how you're describing this is intended to do nothing but to gum up the process to lead Americans to get Texans or even Americans to get upset at something that they shouldn't even be getting upset about. There's reasonable reasonable things that are happening with with laws around the country that limit people's ability to vote well it's it's making it more secure that's the intent right i mean it's like if you pass a law say a, a, a speed limit i'm not a big fan of some of these speed limits i think they're ridiculously low in some places 
But let's say that they pass the speed limit and they drop the speed limit five miles per hour somewhere. The way that they're responding to this particular piece of legislation would be akin to them saying in the speed limit example that the folks passing the speed limit law are trying to inhibit your ability to get somewhere where you need to. People are going to die because they can't get to the hospital quickly enough. Probably Dr. Fauci would be one of the scientists that they would bring in, and Dr. Fauci would explain how five-mile-an-hour speed limit is going to cause chaos on society, and science has proven that it will kill millions of people. Whatever. You know, Dr. Fauci's all over the place. Probably have to wear your mask in order to not speed, according to Dr. Fauci. But anyway, I want you to listen to this description from this dramacrat of the Texas voting law and how she's portraying, how she's portraying, painting the picture of what her and her colleagues are trying to accomplish by fleeing and going to the People's Republic of Washington, D.C. Here it is. We refuse to be a hostage. That's right. We remain a hostage within the state of Texas. And I know that there are search warrants out for us, and I'm ready to be arrested. Then go back. What do you do to a slave if you don't do nothing but arrest them when they flee? Slave. We fled Texas, and if they want to arrest me, go ahead. I'm ready to be arrested. Then go back. Because I've spent almost 24 hours listening to bills, the voters' right bills. And to me, that was that was very, very intimidating to have to sit there. I, I just, I can't even, it was, she was intimidated listening. 24 hours, she had to listen to the voter rights bill. She was intimidated. That's, I don't, I don't want to get off the, the point, the main point here. I want you to hear the drama uh, and, and just the, the, the craziness here. The, the, this is not political theater. This is so far from being dramatic. This is well over the top into just total misrepresentation. But she's intimidated. You ever notice how many dramacrats act as though it's a badge of courage as leaders to be intimidated? I mean, I think back at America's critical points in history. With even, even with FDR in World War II, FDR was a, a leftist, but he did – um, you know, his role in World War II, he did some he did some good things, right? I mean, it doesn't mean that just because someone is ideologically opposite of me that, that they don't do anything occasionally, right? But you, these folks didn't talk about being intimidated. Abraham Lincoln during the Civil War, you, you remember that speech, right, when he got up and he said, man, I am so terrified of this. I am so intimidated of the South. I don't know what to do. I felt so sad, so intimidated. I must wonder if if that was uh, if if that era was like today's. If we wouldn't see speeches like that, and that would have been applauded, and he would have been uh, viewed as being transparent and just being honest, but intimidated by listening to the law. She continues here. Listen to this. And watch people come and beg. Watch the disabled come and beg. Watch the ordinary citizens come and beg just for an opportunity to be able to participate in their democracy, only to get ignored. At the end of the line, when we voted along partisan lines, mm -hmm. and when I think about how we had to come a long ways and watch signs that says, no dogs, no Negroes, no Mexicans. 
when dogs was leeched on our people, when they were beaten, Terrible, when they were bombed, by the way. when they were killed, and all of the things that we had to endure. Haven't we done enough? Also not what's happening Haven't we today. paid the price enough? What is it going to take for us to be able to be Americans in this country? I am an American and I want to vote without somebody infringing upon my rights and the rights of my constituents. This is well and I the stand time. to fight in today for it. I stand to fight for it. Until I can't fight no more. Because I'm tired of people picking on us for no reason. We are Americans. And we are proud Americans. And we deserve the same rights and respects and the same considerations that everybody has. And I'm going to fight until we get it. I'm not going to be a hostage. If they want to arrest me, bring it on. And then go back to Texas. And they that's what they say they're going to do. I mean... You have broken the law. She's saying that she's like a slave. I mean, this is... She refused to be a hostage in her own state. It just doesn't even make sense what she's saying. And by the way, they they are Americans, even if they're radical leftists. And I don't have any problem with that. But she uses the word proud Americans. I wish they would be proud, to be quite honest. I wish... That they would behave like adults. I wish that they would demonstrate their pride in this country. That could, I could, you know, have a some degree of agreement with them there. Even though this other stuff they're doing is crazy and misrepresentative of, of truth. But this is so over the top. This isn't just bad political theater. This is beyond that. This is deliberate misrepresentation. This is deliberately stirring the metaphorical pot here to make to to bring these emotions to the surface these emotions that cause division these emotions that say one party is trying to target you because of something when that's clearly not the case they're clearly simply attempting to make sure that elections are secure and what is wrong with that What is wrong with that? They act like the only thing that Republicans want to do is try to target certain people from voting. And I guess you could say Republicans are trying to target people from voting, you know, to keep certain people from voting. And I would say those are the people that aren't supposed to be voting, regardless of their race, regardless of their ethnicity, regardless of their sexual orientation, regardless of their political party. Anyway, this is over the top. Quick timeout. When we get back, I want to play some other drama talk about some of the drama being engaged in by the dramacrats here again this is inversely related the amount of drama is inversely related to how they think they're doing in the 2022 midterm race which isn't starting yet but in another sense is completely underway so quick time out we'll continue this when we get back back in just a minute Oh, distracted me here in the studio. Show me, see the pictures of this stupid Jeff Bezos rocket yesterday. Anyway, I want to talk. I want to talk about. Um, I'm all distracted here, Oz. Thank you for that. I want to talk here now about the um, 
Here it is. Rand Paul versus Dr. Fauci. Now, on Twitter, I think this has been – the hashtag is, what, Fauci owned Rand Paul or some such thing. The whole interaction is about six minutes. There's, there's, I have three options here. I've got the one-minute version. I've got the two-minute version. And I've, I don't, I'm not playing the whole thing, but the whole thing is like six minutes, six minutes and 15 seconds because it was during Rand Paul's time uh, during the committee hearing yesterday. I'm going to play here. Um, I'm going to play here the the two-minute one. I had all three just to see where we were going to be. But I want you to listen to this exchange. This is about <clears throat> gain of function, which again, gain of function means – Switching here to COVID nineteen, well, to to um, just to working with viruses and and so forth. Um, gain of function is when a laboratory tries to take a virus and to make it more transmissible um, amongst the human population. So take something that's only transferred between species of bats or whatever. And take it and say, let's see if we can make this um, more transmissible between people. Seems like a great idea. I mean, you think what on earth, what on earth good comes from that? I mean, may, maybe there's a way to study that and say, okay, this is what had to happen for that to be the case. Let's develop some, uh, you know, treatment or way to prevent that from happening. But that's being optimistic here. I, at, at some level, you have to ask yourself, why? Why are we taking this? Let's see how this can in, infect and be passed between people. Seems like a crazy thing to do. So that's what Rand Paul is talking with Dr. Fauci about because NIH has funded a lab in, in, in Wuhan that literally was, well, was trying to test viruses and make them uh, doing what they call gain of function and making them transmissible between people. Here's this exchange, and this is what people say Rand Paul was owned by Dr. Fauci. I'll let you make your own decision on this. Let's try that again. Here we go. Dr. Fauci, knowing that it is a crime to lie to Congress, do you wish to retract your statement of May 11th where you claimed that the NIH never funded gain-of-function research in Wuhan. Fauci's fumbling with his microphone, doesn't have it on. Microphone. The scientist, there Senator you go, power Paul, button. I have never lied before the Congress, and I do not retract that statement. This paper that you are referring to was judged by qualified staff up and down the chain Here we go. as not being gain-of-function. So what was? Let me take, finish. You take an animal virus and you increase its transmissibility to humans. Right. You're saying that's not gain of function. Yeah, that is correct. And and Senator Paul, you do not know what you are talking about, quite frankly. And I want to say that pot, officially. Pot meat kettle. You do not officially. know what you are talking about. Let's okay, you get NIH. one person. Let's read from the NIH definition of gain of function. This is your definition that you guys wrote. It says that scientific research that increases the transmissibility among mammals is gain of function. 
They took animal viruses that only occur in animals, and they increased their transmissibility to humans. How you can say that is not gain-of-function? It is not. It's a dance, and you're dancing around this because you're trying to obscure responsibility for 4 million people dying around the world okay. from a pandemic. And let's let send Dr. Fauci. I have to, well, now you're getting into something. If the point that you are making is that the, the, the grant that was funded as a sub-award from EcoHealth to Wuhan created SARS-CoV-2. That's where you are getting. Let me finish. We don't know. Well, we don't wait know a minute. It did I come can from the lab, but you. all the evidence is pointing that it came from the lab, you, and there will be responsibility for those who funded the right. lab, including yourself. I totally This committee resent, will allow the witness to respond. I totally resent the lie that you are now propagating, Senator. Okay, so that was the exchange. It's even a little bit longer, but... Just for the sake of time, um, I'm not going to play the whole thing. In fact, we'll probably – I can post the full six-minute clip um, a little bit later today. But that was the exchange. That's the exchange that Twitter says Fauci owned Rand Paul. But that is what Fauci told us gain of function was. He did testify before Congress and said that the NIH was not funding gain of research – or excuse me, gain of function research. And now that's what Rand Paul started off by saying. Do you want to change your previous statement before Congress? Because we now have evidence that this is precisely what was happening. And he said, well, that's not gain of function. And really when it gets down to it, if you listen to the whole, the whole thing, Fauci saying uh, the gain of function research that was being conducted, even though he didn't want to call that, uh, any longer gain of function was, did not create the COVID-19 virus. And that's, not necessarily, though. Rand Paul said that that could have, that that can still that's a possible that that's a possibility at this point. Um, that's not what Rand Paul is necessarily stating. It's kind of two points. One is is that the lab was engaging in gain of function research, whether or not it was related to COVID nineteen directly or not. The second part is that it could have been. We don't know yet. Says Doctor uh, says Rand Paul. Doctor Fauci says that's not true. Uh, you don't know what you're talking about, to which I find myself thinking Dr. Fauci um, doesn't seem to know what he's talking about either because he consistently tells us the opposite stuff. And again, I, I was talking with someone yesterday. I, I do believe that sometimes this can happen simply because we – I mean we were learning a lot of this stuff on the fly. We can give this – the folks that were involved in understanding the virus a little bit of leeway. But my goodness, the things that he has told us repeatedly that are truly the polar opposite, especially with the mask, wear a mask, don't wear a mask, have to wear a mask. It's obvious that three-year-olds should be still wearing masks. Herd immunity is 60%, 70%, 80%, 90%, 99.9%. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. This stuff just never seems to end. Just as soon as he's made one statement, the next day, the next minute, he seems to say something that's the opposite. Quick timeout. Wanted to share that back here in just a minute. My friends, so, so, a um, couple of the things I want to get to. Well, one more that I want to get to in particular 
here this morning. This is yesterday. Let me pull this up. Yesterday, Peter Ducey. I probably should have played this before Fauci because this goes more in line with what um, what we were talking about earlier with uh, the, the, the Dramacrats who have fled Texas. But this is Peter Ducey. I got to pause because sometimes I want to call him by his father's name. But this is Peter Ducey yesterday talking to Jen Psaki, circling back on something for sure about the folks who fled Texas. Here it is. Thank you, Jen. Uh, more than 10% of the traveling party with these Texas Democrats now claim to have a breakthrough case. Is there any concern that this trip that was intended to advocate for voting rights is now a super spreader event in Washington? Well, I would say that's not a characterization we're making from here. We certainly understand there will be breakthrough cases. Even vaccines that are incredibly effective are not foolproof. They're not 100 percent effective. We've seen that. Here's the good news, though. We know that these vaccines, that these individuals, I think, if I'm correct, have, have been vaccinated. Uh, it means that it protects from death. It protects from serious illness. It protects, for the most part, from hospitalization. Uh, so that is a good sign. Now that COVID-19, uh, after contact with those Democrats, has reached the White House, what is your message to these Texas Democrats? Our message continues to be uh, thanks for standing up for voting rights and the rights of Americans to have their voices heard uh, at the voting booth, uh, and we appreciate their efforts. I'm sure you do. So there you go. Yeah, we don't care that they brought it into our White House and exposed Kamala. We just are glad that they're out there trying to save voters and the voting rights of people around the state of Texas and around the country as well. So there you go. That's what she's saying. Quick timeout nonsensical gibberish that she's spewing there from the podium back here in just a minute. Welcome back. You know, again, I'm open. I don't always agree, but if, if you have a genuine position, that's fine. That's fine. Share it. We can discuss it. We don't have to agree. But man, some of these things are just so disingenuous and for no other purpose but to make political points and to capitalize on a certain position or to to try to get out the vote or get fundraising done. Anyway, I want to say too in closing that yesterday I had the good pleasure of sitting down with uh, Scott uh, Scott Adams and Clint Weatherill of uh, um, Zulu Scape, the pod, uh, the Homeboys podcast, and we did a podcast yesterday. I'll share it with you later. I had a lot of fun talking with those guys. Great guys, and I've got to go. Thanks so much for listening. SDG, see you tomorrow. Take care. Need to re-